0: Ray Magliazzi here. The tear in my driver's seat does have sentimental value since my butt's molded to fit it. But I'm ready for a new one from eBay Motors with all the right parts at the right prices 122 million of them. Till then, I'll just scooch. eBay Motors, let's ride.
1: Block Talk Radio. Welcome to the
0: Cocoa Express, part of the Block Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Cocoa Express is real Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics, so get on board, listen, learn, live.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Cocoa Express Show Network. I will be hosting tonight... And joining me will be Brian Motley. Brian Motley is a multi-talented artist from Los Angeles, and he is a singer, songwriter, filmmaker, lecturer, author, and photographer. And he has accomplished so much and has so many different talents that, you know, it just boggles my mind how he's able to kind of keep all of this in one person and let it all out. But we are grateful for this type of talent and this type of artistry and his willingness to share it with us all. And he has written a book. Well, really, it's not really, it's a love letter, so to speak. It's Embracing Cuba. And it's a book and the pictures are so vivid. It draws you in. And you just become a part of what it is, the story he's trying to tell about the place that he loves the most. And as opposed to me spending all this time trying to tell you, I would would be better served by letting him allow you the opportunity to hear from his words. So please allow me the opportunity to bring to you Mr. Brian Motley. Good evening. Good
0: evening. How are you?
1: I am doing well, and as I said before, thank you for joining us. And I have to tell you, I am kind of impressed by all of the stuff that you're able to do. You know, I understand that, you know, we're called to do um, certain things in our lifetime, but you've been called to do many things in your lifetime, and you're not done yet. So give us a little background of who you are and where you began, and how you came to the point where you are with this book.
0: Well, uh, I live in Los Angeles, California, and I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I've always had a fascination with travel and uh, going places, seeing things, learning new things, experiencing different cultures. And uh, my parents had actually gone to Cuba back in the late 1950s, And uh, so I grew up hearing their stories about Cuba and how much they loved it. And uh, and knowing there was an embargo in place, I thought, well, I can never go to that place. I can never get there. But ten years ago, I found out that there was a way to go legally. And so I started going ten years ago and have returned to the island time and time again uh, over that ten-year period. Uh, I'm also a singer, and uh, so I've actually performed in Havana at the Havana Jazz Festival several years ago and um, parlayed that experience into my love of photography and uh, my love love of photography um, and doing photographs in Cuba has led to this book called Embracing Cuba.
1: Now, Cuba, to many of us here in the United States, has been a mystery to us. And by you going over and taking all these amazing photographs, it opens up a world to us that we don't really understand and know. So tell us a little bit about the things, the misconceptions that we may have about Cuba that you know are not true.
0: Oh, I think the main misconception is that Cuba is a dangerous place and if the people are anti-American, and that is a complete, complete myth. Uh, it's the exact opposite. Cuba is probably the safest country, if not on the planet, certainly in the western hemisphere um also the people embrace americans and they and they love americans and and american culture and uh so i was prepared for my, my first trip i was prepared to you know have to defend myself and defend america and that sort of thing and it was the exact opposite they just embraced me from the beginning and it was quite interesting when i i Every time I go, um, people, if they don't know me, they want to know, well, where, where are you from? And they'll guess if I'm from the, one of the islands or England or Africa or some other country. And when I mm-hmm. tell them I'm from, tell them from the United States, they just they grab me and they hug me and say, Oh, the toughest people! I love the Americans. I love the United States. And you are my brother. You are my friend. And if that's happened to me one time that I've been in Cuba, that's happened to me at least a hundred times just walking down the street meeting strangers and they find out you're from America. They're very very excited about it. So I think the misconception, like I said, the main misconception is that um, we aren't liked over there and the exact opposite. We're respected and we're loved by the Cuban people.
1: Now, as far as their culture is concerned, it's like it's from from my perspective and from what I see, it's like time has stood still in Cuba. And when we look at it we, we're from the American perspective, we're looking at a time that, I guess for us, seems so lost and long gone. And I personally would long for that particular time to return again. Is that the case there where time has kind of stood still in Cuba?
0: Uh, true to some degree. In that that there the old American cars that are a dime a dozen there uh in that some of the buildings and the infrastructures are uh eroding and decaying, and they have the patina um, uh paint that's falling off of them, so in that in that way, yes, but in other ways uh Cuba is just as advanced as the uh United States is in other countries, and maybe more so in some other ways. the thing that's most wonderful about Cuba and the Cuban people is that they really believe in community and family, <laughs> and that's a very big element there. I mean, they just they embrace life and each other. And uh, they may not have much as far as uh, material goods are concerned or material wealth, but what they lack in lack in that, they certainly make up for in so many other ways that uh, we in this country could really learn a lot from. <laughs> because they just know how to embrace life and have a good time and a little bit of nothing and a whole lot of love and and fun and respect and appreciation for each other in life.
1: That is amazing, and that's one of the things that I kind of got from um, the video that I saw that you had shot. Now, how long did it take for you to make this particular book?
0: Uh, This book was a two-year process, and uh, within that time that gave me a a chance to go through my over 100,000 photographs I've taken in my uh, wow. 10 years, eight journeys to Cuba. And it also gave me a chance to write all the text for the book as well. There are eight chapters um, in the book, and each chapter is, is dedicated to a specific um, part of people, like the people, the dogs, uh, the architecture, the classic cars, the music, arts, dance, the politics. So each chapter has a... Uh, text that introduces the photographs of that particular chapter.
1: And there's something about Cuba that they embrace and and they are really strong fans of that you are also a strong fan of, and that's baseball.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. I love attending baseball games in Cuba, especially in Havana when they're playing against their, their biggest rival, which is another province team called uh, Santiago de Cuba. Um, at that game, it's just wild. I mean, the second you are walking up to the stadium, you hear the bands inside playing music. It goes nonstop the entire game, and uh, the fans are dancing in the aisles. They're doing the conga. They're doing the rumba. Um, they're they're yelling at the opposing team. It's just one great big party, and it's just amazing. And some good ballplayers. that's some good ball playing. Some really good. Talented ball players and uh, spirited. The, the games are very spirited and, and fun, and uh, it's an amazing, amazing experience to to be a part of that and to witness that.
1: Okay. Now, tell me about the food because I'm a foodie, so I've, I'm always interested in what the food is like in different places.
0: Yeah, well, the food in Cuba has come a long way in the ten years I've been going there. When I first started going, it was just kind of basic. You get your, you know, your chicken rice beans, pork, uh, salad with every meal. Uh occasionally you, you get some nice seafood, lobsters, which are delicious. And over the last five to six years I've noticed more restaurants popping up that are not the state owned restaurants or more individually owned now. So they have the the chefs are taking um, taking chances with different 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 styles of food now. So it's really come a long way I mean it's just it's no different now than going and eating eating out in in Los Angeles or Paris or 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 New York you find all different types of cuisine that are just absolutely delicious and uh, so the cuisine there has come a long way over the last five or six years and it's the freshest seafood if you're a seafood lover it's the freshest seafood you could ever ever taste and I also love uh, the, the vegetables and the and the fruit there, because it's everything is organic, so you bite into a, let's say you bite into a, a banana or a uh, a mango, and you think, oh, my God, this is supposed to taste like? <laughs> because everything's organic. <laughs> even even the food you buy at the high-end Whole Foods or Bristol Farms does not compare to the, the, um, the, the vegetables and the fruit that they grow in Cuba. It has a different quality of flavor to them, because it's, it's completely organic. So it's it's quite delicious, quite
1: delicious. And being that we're now able to, well, we have limited travel, we can, you know, that we can go there now. Um, do you see or foresee any major changes? Do you foresee them making like really major changes that would change that whole dynamic in any way?
0: Well, that remains to be seen, you know, um the embargo has not been lifted yet completely. In Cuba. Mm-hmm. It has to be, uh, likely that probably won't pass, but you know, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen. But um so you know, there are certain ways you can travel there a lot easier now, um, through different steps that the, the government has, has set up for, for Americans to travel there. So it's not completely open yet. But um it's, it really remains, remains to be seen what, what changes are going to happen there. Um hopefully it's not going to become a little Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I don't foresee that happening. I don't foresee that happening. now as a matter of fact I read an article today where someone quoted saying that Cubans do not want McDonald's. And I don't think they do. So um hopefully that's what in the future would happen. But Um, Well, then that's a crystal ball, so it's really hard to to know what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, the Cubans are cautiously optimistic about the Americans now coming there, and -hmm. their main concern um, about Americans coming there are uh, the elements of Americans bringing in drugs and violence. Mm -hmm. And that's a sad thing about our
1: our country. Yes, it is a sad commentary for us. (laughs) I'm sorry. I said that's a sad commentary for us. I mean.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's their main concern. Because now in Cuba, I mean, if you if you really search for it, I guess you could find marijuana or cocaine if you really, you really, really search for it. But it's not drugs are not prevalent there at all, and neither is crime. Uh, you have to be you know mindful of where you are and what you're doing, and uh, but for the most part, the crime is very, very low. Um, In the last couple of years, I've heard of more incidences of petty crimes of people snatching um, jewelry off of people or grabbing women's purses or something like that, but it's still very, very, very small for that to happen. And that's only become more since the Cubans have become more aware of the American culture. Years Mm -hmm. ago, when when they were completely blocked off, they didn't have any idea of what was happening in America, but when they got a little bit more taste of what... You know, oh, I can have this. I can have that. I can have this. Then the crime started to rise a little bit more, but um, it's still it's still a very very safe country. Matter of fact, if a Cuban is to harm a a tourist from a foreign country, um, the the uh, the penalties are very very stiff. So the government there is not playing around because they because they, they depend on the tourism for their dollars their, for for their economy. So mm-hmm. they don't. They, Sure that the tourists are safe and taken care of, and and have no problems when they're there. So, so that's one of the reasons why uh, crime is is, a, is very low there. Also.
1: Now, tell me about. I'm
0: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, a a pretty good police presence in all the tourist area where tourists are. So that's another reason why uh, crime is low in those areas as well.
1: Now, tell me something about the the. How it affected you from the first time you're going up until now? How has it changed you as a person? How has it changed your perspective on life in general, having had the opportunity to go to Cuba as often as you have?
0: Oh, it's just enhanced my life greatly. Um, it's made all the difference in the world of my life. I wouldn't say that it's changed my life so much, but it certainly has enhanced it. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, the the friends I've made there, um, what mental barriers I had about Cuba for you know, my entire life just came tumbling down within the first day I was there because I was like, I've been lied to all these years. <laughs> I've been lied to. These people are amazing. They're wonderful. So uh, that, that's that been the biggest um, thing for me is just that, that the way it's enhanced, enhanced my life uh, completely, totally.
1: Great. That, I mean, to see the 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 colors, uh, the pit the colors are so beautiful, and the beaches, they're white sandy beaches, correct? And yes, yeah, some it, areas
0: have the, some some areas have the white sand, and uh, some are the regular brown sand. But the beaches are absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. And uh, in a town called Trinidad, which is about four hours east of Havana, it's um, one of the oldest towns in Cuba. Beautiful colonial town um sometimes there's barely anybody even on the beaches so you practically practically have a whole beach to yourself (laughs) wow amazing yeah i hope that doesn't change i hope that doesn't change but um the beaches are not overcrowded and overrun with people um which is one of the beauties of it also so you get some time to just kind of be to yourself and, and and enjoy so it's really really incredible
1: I, I understand that they're doing some major construction there now, with building up, um, you know, hotels um, to accommodate yeah. the prospects of tourists coming to their country.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Because they don't have the, the the infrastructure for for tour for you know a plethora of people to start coming mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, they're they're building some new hotels. I've noticed, and they've opened up. People can rent out their rooms in their in their private homes through uh, Airbnb now, actually, you can rent through that, and um, yeah, so they're they're trying to get ready for the for for the invasion, I guess you could say. <laughs> 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 so,
1: Here comes yeah. the Americans. No, well, it's think, going um, to be more than yeah, Yeah, um, but other countries have been allowed to go to have had access to Cuba. We have just not had access to get to Cuba unless we went around about a different way, correct?
0: No, that's incorrect. Um, there have been charters flying directly from Miami for years, for probably for 30, 40 years, a long time. Um, but you've had to have specific license, and you still need a sp- specific license to get on those flights. Um, now there's more flights that are flying from Miami, uh, more than mm-hmm. there used to be. There's that's also from Tampa. New York, certain days of the week. Uh, I think uh, Los Angeles is starting up flights also. I believe Houston, Oakland. So there's several different hubs around the space now that are flying directly to Miami. But, again, those are charters, and you have to have specific licenses to travel on those flights. I mean, you still go through Mexico or Canada, and that's still sneaking in. I would not advise that. Mm-hmm. I, just would not, I just don't want to be the person caught. Um, getting your passport stamped in Cuba and coming back to Perka, well, what were you doing in Cuba? Well, I was there on vacation. Were you are not supposed to be there on vacation? <laughs> and you can be fined up to $250,000 if the government wants to get you. So I would not recommend just hopping a flight from Mexico or Canada to uh, Havana. Uh, I would go about it the legal way.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. And $200,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of money.
1: Yes, it is. Now, you have other projects that you're working on in addition to this amazing thing that you've done. So what are the other projects you're working on now?
0: Well, I'm working on a documentary about the Negro Baseball Leagues. Um, my father actually is the last living umpire from the Negro Baseball Leagues. and so Wow. I'm on a yeah, yeah, so I'm working on a project to honor him and all the great players he saw umpiring for the 11 years that he was in the leagues. And I'm um, also working on a feature film um, that Penny Marshall is is um, attached to direct and produce. Penny Marshall produced such films A League of Their Own, and Big, and Cinderella Man and uh, The Preacher's Wife. And so she signed them to produce and direct this film that I co-wrote about Effa Manley, who is, ironically, is another Negro League story, and she's the first woman ever to own and run a professional sports team and that was in the Negro Leagues. So it's a very interesting story about her life as a biopic. Um that's a very powerful story about this woman who was in a man's world and she also kept her ethnicity a secret throughout her life. She was actually a white woman who passed as a black.
1: Interesting.
0: Yes. yes, you heard me right. She passed the <laughs> other way. And <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it's a very compelling story to say the least.
1: Wow, I well, that's something that I would love to see because, you know, and it it kind of falls in line with what we've experienced with the this other woman recently, Rachel Dolezal or whatever you yeah, I mean. Like yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where Ethel came from a, a biracial family. Her mother was white. And her, mar- her mother had married two black men in the 1800s. And then she had Ethel in between those two marriages with a Wall Street businessman. So Ethel was black, just be- felt black because she was in the black community her entire life. So it's a little different mm-hmm. than race. Because uh, she, the, as she said in her own words, she said, I've been, been around black people my entire life. That's all I've ever known. Mm-hmm. So that's why she, she identified, identified with being black. Because uh, all of her, her siblings were. Half, you know, half and half, mulatto, whatever you want to call, call mm-hmm. them, and so she just felt more of an identity with the black music.
1: So wow. A very
0: interesting story and very interesting life that she led. Wow, I oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and basically became the first lady of the Negro League. So, powerful woman.
1: That is yeah. the. So awesome when will when will this project? When do you think this project will be done and, and released to the general public? Well,
0: we're hoping, to, yeah, we're hoping to go into production sometime next year. So let's keep our fingers crossed, and uh, we're working hard to try to make that happen.
1: Where do you get all of your inspiration from for all the things that you do?
0: Um, just from loving what I do, and just uh, trying to be creative, and just trying to have fun. You know, I don't I don't really think about where it where it comes from but I just if I think of something I can do or want to do I say well why not give it a shot, you know, what's what's the hold you back from at least trying. Well if you don't try, go out and try try to make something. <laughs> I just try to stop doing what I'm doing and just uh I might be a little nuts for doing <laughs> 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 <Biting> <laughs> any, uh projects. you know, I put the time doing it so it keeps me motivated and, and Keeps like interesting to say the least.
1: And um, this is not your first book that you've you've worked on, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah, the first book is my father's memoir that I co-wrote with him. Um, It's called Ruling Over Monarchs, Giants, and Stars, and it's basically his his, uh, life story of growing up in the segregated South and becoming one of the first Black Marines in our country uh, as part Mm -hmm. of a group called Montford Point Marines got a congressional gold medal for, um, in 2013, I believe it was, uh, from the government. And then his journey, finding the love of umpiring and making his way to the Negro Leagues and spending 11 years in that league umpiring and then trying to make it to the major leagues, but the majors weren't, were not ready to take a black umpire at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I didn't try for years, but, um, yeah, it's a great book about his his life and all that he went through and um it's funny, it's engaging, it's um heart wrenching for so some really really great stories in, in his life as well.
1: Now, what was it like growing up in that kind of environment? It must have been so interesting.
0: Yeah, well, you know, when you grow up in, in an environment like that, you kinda take it for granted, you know, because you know, my father would you know go down memory lane and talk about World War Two and you know, we'd laugh at the stories and he talked about you know, some of the outrageous ball players and then they and we'd laugh and but it's like, okay, so that was just his life and it wasn't really a big deal. It's just like it, that just was part of the stories I grew up hearing. And um but when you get a little bit older and you realize, wait a minute, this is his, this is history. This is just no fly by night stuff, this is like some serious stuff this man lived through.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you
0: really get the you know, start appreciate it more you appreciate him more and everything he went through and so you know, one day I said you know well, you need to write a book and put put this down so people know what what you did and you know, he's like why i would never even read a book <laughs> you know <so> he's <laughs> old school he's from the south but doesn't have much of a much much of an edu- education so he didn't know what you know writing a, a book would entail but I convinced him to do it and um, we got together and penned it and it, it uh, turned out quite quite well
1: Oh, excellent. Excellent. Now, what would you say to our young folk? Because you have, like, pockets of generations of young folks who are extremely creative and brilliant, and then you have a a pocket of them that need motivation and need someone to push them. What advice would you give to each of those groups?
0: Oh, just keep going forward and, and never give up. Never give up and never take no for an answer, and just keep moving forward and believe in yourself and believe in your dreams and just make it happen just keep keep marching forward it's no 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 need to go backwards, keep going forward that's
1: that, excellent
0: that's that well that is
1: excellent excellent mm-hmm. advice now, where can people find your book um embracing Cuba? where can they find the book?
0: Okay, it's, it's available wherever books are sold. Uh, mm-hmm. It includes any bookstores in your area or Barnes & Noble. It's also on the Internet. You can find it at Amazon.com or through the publisher's website, which is uh, University Press of Florida. So it's wherever you can find the book, you can find it there. And if the bookstore doesn't have it in your area, you can certainly have them order it and um, they can get it. So the book is, the book is out there wherever, wherever books are sold.
1: Great. Now, how can people keep tabs on you and fi- you know follow you and find out what other things you're involved in?
0: Okay, through my website, which is byronmotley.com. I also have a Facebook page for the book Embracing Cuba, so you can like that on Facebook, and uh, those are probably the best places to find me. Also, there's Twitter, and um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm out there, out there in the internet world, so I'm not <laughs> <hard> to <find. laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad thing sometimes. <laughs> oh,
1: I agree with you on that one.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I, I have to tell you that you know I'm gonna put up, I'm gonna put the link to the video up on my Facebook page, uh, so that people can see that so they can really get a better understanding of what we were you know discussing here this evening because. I mean, the pictures were so amazing and the faces of the individuals. You know, we live in a um, a society of, you know, if it's broke, we can fix it and make it look right. like it shouldn't look. <laughs> like you have a right, woman who's right. 60, you know, she looks like she's 40 because she went and got all this stuff done. But the faces of the people that you show in your book, they are completely natural and authentic, and that makes them so much more warm, and, and and it makes you want to embrace them because of that naturalness in them.
0: Oh, that's very nicely said. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about how they... You see some, especially some of the older people, you just want to give them a big hug. You know, it's like your grandmother or grandfather. It's like, oh, you just want to just hug on them all day. So, yeah, they they wouldn't mind hugging you back either. That's just who they are. They're just just like that. One of the things I like to do when I'm there is, like, walking down the street taking photos. If I hear a party going on in someone's house, Mm and if it's open, I'll walk right in, and they don't mind. They start pouring rum for me. They offer me food. I'm part of the family. I'm part of the fun. It's incredible. I mean, you try that here in the United States, you're gonna get your head blown off. <laughs> <laughs> in Cuba <laughs> you know what I mean, but in Cuba, you know you, you just walk in and they're like, "Hey, hey, hi, hi," and it's another party done, so you know I love that about them. They're just open. And I hope that never changes. i hope I hope that doesn't change so'. But well, we'll see I what hope the next
1: the next yeah. decade will bring.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: absolutely. Yes, indeed. Now, I have one other um, um question I want to ask. Do you find, you know, you have southern roots. Do you find that that southern hospitality is, is something that you connected with somewhat in Cuba?
0: I think so. I think so. I, I never thought about it in that way, but I think you're probably right about that. Absolutely. And then you know, I love the mix of people that are there. You have you know, your black Cubans, you have your white Cubans, you have your in-between Cubans, and they're all one. They don't refer mm-hmm. to each other as black or white. They are just Cubans, mm-hmm. and you sense that there. Um, and you see black and white couples. You see uh, blacks and whites who are friends just hanging out. You just just it's just a natural existence for them there, and. Um, it's it, it's different than it is in the United States. There, in the United States, there, there's racism that's like present in front of your face some of the time, but in Cuba, you don't really get a sense of that. It's um, they are just, just one. They really are one. Okay. And,
1: um,
0: yeah. yeah, so it's it's, it's interesting, interesting uh, yeah. system.
1: And that is something that I had read about. Also, you know, we have our issues here, and everybody everybody knows about our issues here. And I had also read that that is not a concern of theirs. Therefore, it's not.
0: You know, no, but I I, I will say, I will say also that and the government is aware of this. I think they're trying to fix this issue. Um, but I have noticed though, in some of the restaurants and and, and and, and hotels and things like that, the, the wait staff and the people who are out front are mostly the, the Cubans who are of, of lighter hue, and the mm-hmm. darker Cubans are kind of not seen. So that's 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 something they they are working on and they are aware of, and they're trying to remedy that that problem also. But as far as um, people just in society and people in their neighborhoods and communities, um, racism really isn't isn't an issue there. It isn't. I remember a couple of years ago during the, I think it was before the, I think it was the Trayvon Martin case, and right before that, there was when they started shooting, uh, killing more and more young black men in the streets. When people in Cuba would find out that was from America, the first thing out of their mouth was, "What's going on? With, why are they killing so many black kids in in your country? What's going on with the police? What's cool? Why don't they respect black people there?" And mm-hmm. I got asked that at least a dozen times. Wow, in that country when I was there, yeah, they just could not understand, and this and this is the question coming from both black and white cubans what is what's going on in your country they just it just couldn't they just couldn't fathom that there would be a race issue like that between between um you know not only blacks and whites but between the police and and african Americans. they they just could not they just could not understand it.
1: It's really interesting not, to see. I, be, you
0: know, I don't know what's going on. No, that's a nuttiness, but you know, yeah, they were just very disheartened by, by that. Very much
1: and that's and that's interesting to, to see uh, another country's perspective on something of that nature. And it's really interesting. I'm sure a lot of a lot of other countries are probably saying the same thing. You know, what's up with that? We can't even figure it out.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're, they're thinking. You just know, been past all that. You, know, you got, be, you, got a, you got a black president. What's going on? We don't we don't get it. What's what's
1: up? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, very, very Matt, cute. oh wow. Well, I have to tell you, this was like one of uh, I really because I've always been curious about Cuba, and so when this opportunity came, I'm like, I would love to to, to find out more, and I'm really glad I did because. As I said earlier, you know, there's plenty that go around about a lot of things, and you were able to really kind of wipe away most of them, all of them, in fact. And I'm glad we had this opportunity.
0: Oh Well, thank you very much. I, I enjoyed talking to you and hope I shed a little light on um, my Cuba, as I call it, the country I love.
1: It, well, you did, and we. I can. I can tell how much you love and have embraced Cuba as your second home, and um, I'm sure those of, those of my listeners who go out and get the book and kind of like look at the the um, video that I'm going to put up, they'll see your love because I also believe that when you see a photographer's pictures, you see things through their eyes. So. What we're seeing in the book is your love for for Cuba, and it just comes out, and it's so so bold and vibrant.
0: I appreciate that.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. So I hope that we have the opportunity to have you back on the show again to talk about some of your other endeavors as you know time goes by. Okay, that sounds good to me. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And it thank was really you. a pleasure having you on. And like I said, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I want to thank Double Exposure as well for allowing it to happen. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. You have a good evening. You do the same. Okay.
0: Bye.
1: To all my listeners, that was By- Byron Motley. And he has launched a new book called Embracing Cuba. And I have to explain to you how important it is for each of us to remember to follow your dreams, you know, do what you believe in in your heart. Don't let anyone sway you or try to talk you out of anything because what you do and what you share with the world can change the lives and perspectives of so many people, and you may not even realize how important your work becomes in their lives. So This is another example of that And I hope you have the opportunity To go out and get the book And look at the book and see All the amazing photos and pictures And the essays That he has written in this book I'm sure that you would be so interested That you too would want to go to Cuba Because I know I'm interested and I want to go So with that As always, be good to yourself And God bless, have a good night That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.